full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven ears of corn, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other ears of corn sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin ears of corn swallowed up the seven healthy, full ears. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dreams. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven ears of corn, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other ears sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin ears of corn swallowed up the seven good ears. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears of corn are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years. And so are the seven worthless ears of corn, scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. 
This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, good evening. My name's uh, Chris Matheson. I'm a church member here and part of the staff team. It's great to be with you this evening. I wonder if you have ever had one of those days where everything went wrong. You spilt your tea all over yourself in the morning, so you had to clean yourself up, then you're late leaving, and then on your way to work or a lecture or a lesson or something, you're late. Um, you make it to lunchtime. You've made it. Oh, but you forgot your lunch, and you don't have your wallet. Everything is just going wrong. It's just one of those days. Well, until the passage we've just heard, for Joseph, it's been a bit like that. Everything's kind of gone wrong, one thing after another. We've only really see things, seen things go wrong. A few moments of hope, but they haven't really panned out. But all the way through the story of Joseph, we can see God at work. We've talked about it each week, how God is in control, how God cares for his people, how he has a plan that he's working out, even when it doesn't look like it even when things are going wrong. And today we're going to see four things, I almost did that for four, four things of how God is at work. And the first one actually isn't from what we just read, it's from all the stuff before, and it's that God prepares the way. God has prepared the way. So first of all, Joseph has a dream that his Um, family would bow down to him, that he would be great. He was already his father's favorite. But his brothers hated him so much that they threw him in a pit, big hole in the ground. They wanted to kill him, but they thought, why not make money from him instead? So they sold him. They sold their brother. And that's just the first thing. Joseph works for a guy called um, Potiphar in Egypt, and he did well. It says God helped Joseph. And he was actually put in charge of everything that Potiphar owned. Uh, That's chapter 39, verse 6. But then Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with Joseph. And when Joseph said no, as in he did exactly the right thing, Potiphar's wife accused him of wanting to sleep with her, and he gets put in prison for it. Then in prison, he starts to do well. God was with him. God helped him. And chapter 39, verse 22, so the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. So Joseph was put in charge of the prison. I wonder if you can see a bit of a recurring theme here. Then whilst in prison, we hear, uh, last week we heard of the the next dreams in the story. Uh, Dreams of the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the Pharaoh's baker, who were put in prison with Joseph. Joseph interprets the dreams. Um, And the cupbearer's dream meant that he was going to get out of prison and get his job back. So there's hope. Joseph says, when you get out, get me out. Put in a good word for me. But the cupbearer forgets. 
There's some hope, and then it's dashed. There's some hope, and then it's dashed. I wonder what Joseph was thinking at this point. He'd been the favorite. He'd dreamed of greatness. God has been with him, even when things have been going wrong, but here he is in prison, forgotten for two years. But God still has a plan. And the story so far has set up today's story. So even though the cupbearer forgot Joseph for two years, Joseph interpreting his dream becomes really important in our story today. So the second thing we see of how God is at work, God provides the opportunity. At the start of today's part of the story, Pharaoh has a dream. And it's kind of a crazy dream. It doesn't really make sense. Seven sleek and fat cows, which I love as a description. The ESV calls them attractive cows. They're good cows, okay? They're good cows. And then, so they come out of the Nile. Then after them, seven thin and ugly cows come out of the Nile. Okay, they're just, just cows coming out of a river so far. Pretty normal. Then the thin cows eat the fat cows. Bit weird. But then you can't even tell that they've eaten them. Very strange. And then he has the same dream again with ears of grain. Seven healthy ears, followed by seven thin, scorched and unhealthy ears. The thin ears swallow up the healthy ears. And most of us, I'm sure, have had a crazy dream or two. I once had a dream where I was was driving down the motorway um, and... Something, was, something funny was happening to the car, so I pulled over, and it was a bit wet, it was a bit miserable, cars are going really fast, so it's kind of scary. Uh, yeah, I would scream as well. So I decided to go inside. So I went into my parents' house, which was there, obviously, um, and we went into the garage, and now the car is inside their garage on one of those lifts that you have in car workshops, okay? So we looked all the... And I didn't know it was there. It's funny, I never noticed it as a kid. So we looked all the underside of the car, um, and we're like, I oh, don't know, we can't fix this. Need to call a mechanic. So I went to the school reception to see if I could use the phone. Now, while you're dreaming that kind of thing, it makes sense. You kind of don't question it. But when you wake up, what? It just doesn't make sense. And you might tell a couple of people, or a few more people, but actually by the end of the day, end of the next day, you've pretty much forgotten. You've discarded it because you think, well, it's clearly not real life. It didn't make any sense. Let's forget that and concentrate on what's actually happening in life. But Pharaoh doesn't do that, and that's important. When he wakes from his dream, verse 8 says, in the morning, his mind was troubled. He was troubled, he was confused, and he knew this dream had been important. God was at work in Pharaoh, not only causing him to dream something, causing him to dream something that was God communicating to Pharaoh, that we'll see later, but convicting him in the morning that he needed to know what this meant. This was an important dream. So Pharaoh sent for all his magicians, his wise men, his clever clogs, but none of them knew what it meant. And here's where we see how God's plan has been leading to this point. 
the cupbearer remembers. Finally, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. He says to Pharaoh, I was once in prison with the baker. We both had dreams. And then if you look at verse 12, now a young Hebrew was there with us. That's Joseph. A servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. So, no one so far could tell Pharaoh what his dream meant, but now he hears of Joseph, who has a track record of saying exactly what dreams mean. God had gifted Joseph with being able to interpret dreams. God worked through Joseph in doing that, and he led him to the position of demonstrating that in prison, so that when Pharaoh has his dream, it's an opportunity where only Joseph can come and interpret Pharaoh's dream to bring him out of prison. And as we see Joseph explaining the dream, we see the third way in which God is at work. God shows his power. Pharaoh says to Joseph in verse 15, I've heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph replies, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. It's not me giving you the answer, Joseph says. It's God. So Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream, and Joseph tells him what it means. Like the dreams in the previous chapter, and actually all of the dreams we see in the story, it's about the future. It's something that's going to happen. Joseph says God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. God is communicating through this dream, and he's communicating that he knows and is in control of the future. So here's what the dream means. Uh, we find it in verse 25 to 32 of the chapter. So the seven good cows, the fat cows, the sleek cows are seven years of great abundance. Really good years. Everything grew. They had loads of food. After that, seven years of famine come. Seven years with no food. Nothing grew. So bad, it will be like the first years never happened. And then verse 32, the fact that Pharaoh dreamed it twice means it's fixed and it will happen soon. So there are two ways that God is showing his power here. The first is that God is in control of what happens. If someone claims to be powerful, and they tell you they can tell the future, well, if they do tell the future, you, that's powerful, right? Because people can't, but God can. That's power. God is showing his power by telling what's going to happen. He says it's going to happen, it's definitely going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. God is in control in this situation. The second thing, um, the second way God shows his power is through Joseph. After interpreting the dream, Joseph tells Pharaoh, uh, this is verse 33, that he needs to find someone to oversee the land, make sure they collect enough food um, in the good years that are going to last them through the bad years. Someone discerning and wise. 
Pharaoh and his servants all think, yes, it's a good plan. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Pharaoh has noticed that Joseph is like he is, that he's able to do what he's, he's done in interpreting the dream because God is working through him. Pharaoh can see that God has made Joseph the most wise and the most discerning. God has given Joseph a gift that has meant Pharaoh now knows the future. So it's not really a surprise that he thinks this guy is pretty special and he puts him in charge. He's the best man for the job because God has made him the best man for the job. And so Joseph's put in charge of all of Egypt. He's Pharaoh's number two. The people bow to him, it tells us. We didn't read all of this bit. He's given a wife. He has two sons. His job goes well. They start collecting um, grain. They start storing it up. It's going really well. I think we can safely say at this part in the story, things are looking up for Joseph. They've already been going wrong. Now they're looking better. But the reason this all happened wasn't just that God wanted to make Joseph's life a bit better. He'd had a tough few years. Let's give him a nice time for a bit. That wasn't what was going on. It was all part of a much bigger plan. And that's the fourth thing we see about how God works in this story. God saves many people. Seven years of plenty happen. Joseph collects a lot of food, stores it all up. Then the years of famine come. Um, And it tells us in verse 54... There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. Then uh, verse 56, when the famine had spread all over the country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. So there's famine everywhere. And a quick note on all the earth, it's probably isn't referring to the whole earth as we now think of the whole earth. Um, Partly because people hadn't yet spread to live across the whole earth. Um, So it's probably talking about the countries that are um, around where Egypt is, the kind of east side of the Mediterranean. The point is that they all had to come to Egypt because Egypt was the only place that had food. People came from everywhere to buy food from Joseph because they wouldn't have had any otherwise. So because God had led Joseph to this point and led him to be in charge of Egypt, Egypt had food. And therefore, many people were saved from starving. God had made that happen. By revealing to Joseph the meaning behind Pharaoh's dream, which Joseph was asked to do because God had revealed the meaning to the two prisoners' dreams, where Joseph only was because he'd been working for Potiphar, where he was only there because his brothers had sold him to Egypt. God has been there the whole way through. It looked like everything was going wrong, but God was leading Joseph to a, wowie, Joseph to a place where he could 
where God could work through him to save many people's lives. And the God who was at work in Joseph is the same God who is at work now. We're going to um, hear a story now of um, how God has been at work now, has been at work in one of our church family. So please look at the screens. Hello, my name is Vic Jacobson. I grew up here in Southampton in a place called Hollybrook Homes, just off the Winchester Road. Uh, my father had died when I was just one year old. And by the time I'd got to the age of 15, I had appeared in front of the magistrate, or rather the juvenile court, uh, a number of times. I'd become somewhat of an inveterate thief. Uh, and I joined the army at the age of 15, thinking that I would get fed and have a roof over my head. But a change of location rarely ever changes behavior. And after nine months, I was kicked out of the army, came back to Southampton and lived on the streets. In fact, I was the only person on the streets in those days. All the older men used to go to the Salvation Army, uh, but I preferred to have my independence. When I was celebrating my 18th birthday with some of my mates, we decided to have a bit of a booze out. So I broke into a number of houses and on my last house, I stole a camera and tried to fence it at Handley's second hand shop in Shirley Road. And uh, it was there that the police caught up with me. And as I had no fixed address, they very kindly gave me one in Winchester Prison. And it was while I was there that something happened to dramatically alter the whole course of my life. I read a Gideon Bible that had been left in my cell. And through reading that, I came to understand God's love and the possibility that life could be different. And it most certainly was. Within a matter of months of leaving the prison, I was uh, preaching on the streets, uh, getting on a chair. In those days, you could be heard. Now the noise of the traffic would drown you out. But uh, I loved to preach. I set up a rock band and we used to go to the coffee bars of the day uh, to preach the gospel. Five years into my Christian walk, I went to Spurgeon's College for four years to train for the Baptist ministry. And after that, eight years of pastoral ministry in London and in Godston, Surrey, before being invited to become the national director for Evangelism Explosion. My responsibility was to set up the training courses that became so useful to churches and uh, so successful. After a while doing that, I was asked to become the European director, so introducing EE to many countries around Europe, including behind the Iron Curtain. And it was 
after 11 years with EE that my dear wife Sue and I decided to set up a ministry called Hope Now. We felt that God was leading us to do that. At first, in South Africa, we set up a home for refugees from Angola and Rwanda, children that had seen their parents massacred and working in prisons and building churches. In fact, we built 10 churches there. And then God led us into Ukraine, which has been my passion. In fact, it was our passion for many years and still is after 29 years. And uh, it was during that time that my dear Sue developed Alzheimer's. And uh, I remember her asking the question, why me? And then as we prayed about it, we realized that we are all part of a life that is sometimes wonderful and sometimes hard. But the greatest privilege of my life was to look after my dear Sue for four years, serving the person that I loved the most. And then four years ago, she went to be with the Lord. I have continued to work. I recently celebrated my 80th birthday. Moses started at that point, so why not me? I have a new lease of life to carry on preaching the gospel. I've seen so many people come to know the Lord as their Savior. And I hope if you haven't found him yet, you will too. If you'd like to know how, just ask for one of my little booklets. It's called Just Grace. I'd love you to have that. God bless you. God is at work. I don't know what struck you about the video. What really struck me is if you put that first half up to prison, you just look at that bit, you would never predict the rest. Or if you just saw the second half, you'd never think that he came from um, such a, that kind of upbringing and, and life beforehand. God can do amazing things. He can turn around lives. God was at work in Joseph. God is at work in Vic, as we've just heard. And he's been at work all the rest of the time in between as well. We see him um, through the whole of the Old Testament. In fact, we were talking earlier about um, glimmers of hope and then it going wrong, glimmers of hope and it all going wrong. Joseph is the last story in the book of Genesis and it ends well. Don't want to give it away, but it ends well, okay? Um, and God's people do well. They live in Egypt, they do well. But the very next book, the start of Exodus, a new king rose, a new pharaoh rose over Egypt. He didn't know Joseph, didn't particularly like the Israelites didn't particularly like God's people, thought they'd got a few too many, needed to kind of cut them down, so began oppressing them, which is the start of God's next rescue story, start of the story of Moses and God rescuing his people out of Egypt. And time and time again through the Old Testament, we see that rhythm um, of God rescuing his people. All of those stories 
all of that part of history were leading to one bigger picture, God's bigger picture, his ultimate plan to rescue his people, ultimately fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus died and was raised back to life. He died to take the punishment for all of our sin, all of the times we've gone against God, and he rose to show his power over death, to defeat death, so that many people would be saved, so that anyone who trusts God, who follows Jesus, even though we will die, as humans, our bodies will still fail at some point and we will die, those who trust in Jesus will be raised to new life with God forever. So what do we take from this? Maybe there are situations in our lives that we think, God, how is this good? Maybe situations we just can't see resolving or can't be resolved. Situations that have gone on so long and among glimmers of hope have just kept going wrong. In the story of Joseph, there were 13 years from when we first met him, the start of chapter 37, to when he's put in charge of Egypt in chapter 41. It's easy to read this as happening kind of in, the, in a few weeks, the story of Joseph, but it's actually years, many years, years of slavery, years of prison. I think the main takeaway here is we can trust God. God has a bigger plan. God knows the bigger picture. We see his faithfulness to Joseph. We see his faithfulness through the Old Testament. We see his faithfulness in Jesus. Now, I can't say that every bad situation you are in or have been in will actually lead you to becoming prime minister. Maybe you wouldn't want that. But it wouldn't necessarily lead to success like we see here or the stuff of dreams. It might not work out like that. That may not be God's plan. But ultimately, what's most important is that everything we need to be saved has been done. God's ultimate plan has succeeded, so we can trust him. Things might not make sense, but we can trust him. Things might look so bad that surely God wouldn't allow this, but we can trust him. It's hard, but we can. The bigger picture that we can see, or maybe that we think we see, God's bigger picture is bigger. Now, don't get me wrong, it's, it's easy for me to stand here and say that. There isn't a switch we just need to find, just flick it to trust and we'll be fine. Nothing will ever bother us again. We're human, we're flawed, we are naturally selfish and naturally sinful, so we need God's help. And by his grace, he's given us the Holy Spirit. God living inside his people to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to make us into people more like Jesus. Ultimately, we know that if we trust in God, if we live our lives following Jesus with the Holy Spirit's help, we are safe. And no matter what happens to us now, we know that we can look forward to life with God forever. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can see that you are in control, that you care, that you were with Joseph and you cared about him. You cared about all the people who went through the famine in this story. I thank you that your plan is to save people. You rescued Joseph from prison so that you could rescue many people from starving. You rose Jesus from the grave so that you could save us. Help us live in that perspective. Help us to trust you, no matter what situations we're facing. Help us to remember that you are in control. You care for us. And you have made a way to bring us to you.